Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us on the show today is a wonderful friend from across the pond, Lisa Moyle from Fintech Talents. Welcome to the show, Lisa. This is long overdue. Hello, Theo. It's so good to be with you today. I miss chatting with you guys, and I miss just seeing you in person. I know that that will all be fixed in due time. Um, Time to walk down the memory lane a little bit. The year now is 2022, but I still have that first email that Victor sent to me with fintechtalons.com. That was back in November 2017. That was more than four years ago. Feels like a lifetime. And it probably oh my God. is, right? So yeah. much. Has I think happened. I've aged a decade at that time. So definitely. Yes. And we can all blame Victor for that a little bit. Since <laughs> <laughs> he's not here with us. Um, and of course, you know, we all know each other. We before before that. So let's go back and um to when FinTech Talents first started, when you all got together. Um, to how things have evolved until now. Let's walk us through a little bit. Um, how how did that first concept started? I still remember us having dinner actually in in London. It was by a canal somewhere, and we took the bus afterwards. Um, <laughs> to to now to you guys <laughs> fragments of memory. <laughs> that were fragments of memory um, pre COVID days. Um, so so walk us through how did that first started and and where you guys are now. Yeah, so Victor and I came together. Um, we came, you know, we'd both been working across financial services, fintech innovation for a number of years from sort of different directions. So I had worked on the kind of policy and reg side and, and working uh, around all kinds of initiatives to support fintech and innovation in the UK and beyond. And, and Victor came from a very commercial background. And we had worked together for a while and we kind of looked at the events business or you know the events that we were a part of that we helped put together that we attended you know all in different places around the world and it seemed to us that it was a model that was broken broken in the sense that it didn't really deliver significant value to people who invested a lot of money to sponsor and participate so you know, in the, in the way that all entrepreneurs come together, we were driven by a profound belief that we could do things better. Um, so, you know, it's funny when we I remember chatting to you about it in the early stages and, you know, we worked really hard. We had all these great ideas. Um, but, you know, obviously our model has moved on and developed and I think become far more sophisticated since then. So whereas we started out, you know, saying events are broken um, and putting together approach where we really ended up was creating a full stack marketing services agency, because as we continue down the events path, we realized what the companies that, you know, were reaching out to us that we were working with, that we were taking, you know, exploring um, relationships, you know, developing relationships with, with clients, what they needed you know, events were part of that, but it was just events were really one kind of touch point as part of, you know, a broader uh, range or campaign of activity that we could support. Them with. So let's dive a little bit deeper because I remember and, and I know for, for those of you who are not familiar with Fintech Talents, 
which you should be, go to fintechtalents.com and check out all of the events that you have. But it's not just about events, as you say. Um, there are obviously a ton of in-person and virtual events, which you've pivoted um, because of COVID. But there are also other contents. There are video, there are blogs. Um, and you work with both big companies as well as fintech startups, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we started the business, we organized all of our activity around three key pillars, what we called content, community, and experiences. So on the content side, every, everything we did with a client started with content. And, you know, you, as you mentioned, you know, there, it could range from a video interview, a video series, uh, a blog post, a longer form report, because content, you know, and even more so, um, has been demonstrated in recent years, is what pulls people together. They come together around content because it's interesting to them, relevant to their business. And through that content, you know, we saw that content is underpinning and driving the creation of communities. Communities come together because they share similar interests. They're exploring business opportunities together. They're competitors, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and then we translated those communities into what we call experiences. And with VC Innovations, which is, um, you know, the rights of the company, the rights holders to the FinTech Talent Series, as we developed, um, you know, that full stack marketing services proposition and offering, you know, we, we realized that companies needed support with everything, you know, depending on, you know, their size and their shape and what they do from, um, you know, marketing infrastructure, you know, that could be CRM, CRM integration, email marketing, whatever it may be. Um, and that became, you know, for some companies, we could develop a really um, compelling offering for them around those services, right? But ultimately, what all companies in the sector want is to, you know, some kind of, of demand generation, right? They need to develop, you know, they need to rather um, get the return on their investment, right? So whatever they're investing with us, whether it's reaching a new, you know, segment of customers, driving people into their business because they can showcase the offering they have. So we realized that, you know, having someone participate in events is amazing, but, you know, if you kind of create this broader campaign of activity across, you know, whether it's three months, six months, 12 months, that you could drive so much more return and the event then becomes a touch point in that broader series of experiences. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. That's one of the things I've, I've noticed with how FinTech Pounds and, and VC innovations um, on the larger scale have expanded. Because oftentimes when you go to events, right? Why do you go to events? Well, a couple of things, right? One, you go to events because you want to learn something new, hear something new. But by and large, people go to events because of community, because of people. They want to see people. They want to listen to, you know, what what people have to say or just catch up. And all of those, the community part is really, really important. But then, you know, with most events after, you know, the, the sad event has happened, people disband and you don't come back together until a year after. So it's missing that long tail that, you know, you could have done so much more with the community you've created. And that's exactly what you guys do. You do not just event, but, you know, you keep bringing the community back together again and again and again. And it is beautiful, it's wonderful. And I can't, you know, I, I just, I just love it. 
um, well, thank you, Theo. Yeah. We're glad that well, we convinced you. It's like a, it's like a big family, you know, in, in some ways. Um, I feel like an yeah, adopted absolutely. child. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, and you shall remain in that family, Theo, uh, forevermore. Once you're in, you're in. We don't let you go. Oh, rats. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That community piece and, you know, I will often speak to clients or other people who are interested in participating and saying, you know, the event itself is great. You know, we can support you. You can meet people. We can create all the opportunities, you know, networking apps, all the stuff that, you know, we know, um, you know, that we know and use at events. But really about when it comes to creating relationships and being part of a community, that's something that has to develop, you know, over months, weeks, years, whatever it takes. Um, so creating those touch points for communities to come together is hugely important. And, you know, that's a build out of the event experience. And that's where we have focused a lot of our energies. Um, the people who work with us, you know, are like you, Theo. <laughs> they look forward to, to coming together and remaining part of this ongoing conversation and, and community. So speaking of community, I think that's one big challenge we have the last two years is, um, you know, because of the pandemic, because of travel restrictions and all of that, there are a lot of things that we wanted to do that we couldn't get to do, right? And I can't even imagine how challenging it is for you all, since a large part of that experience was dependent on in-person meetups. So Let's talk through a little bit how your team has navigated through those changes and your thoughts around virtual in-person, because there's still a lot of debate on whether or not, you know, there are, uh, should events remain virtual even after the pandemic is gone? Would we do a hybrid? What, what works best, what do you think? And how do you think the space is going to evolve? So I don't think there's a one size it's all model and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute but in terms of how we as a business adapted you know I think by nature we're very innovative and we're always you know we've got that hungry view of a of a growing business where we're always looking for a new opportunity and you know this is in full recognition that the pandemic was absolutely awful for many people and for many businesses um, you know, in all different parts of the economy. But for us, you know, we really weathered the pandemic and grew significantly during the pandemic. So, you know, I think part of that is because so much of what we had done, even prior to, you know, pivoting to fully virtual, was based around content community. We had like a lot of um, expertise in recording stuff remotely and video and and fortuitously i mean for us not for the rest of the world we were already exploring um a virtual events platform before obviously everything accelerated and, and turned to fully virtual so you know we were still able to grow and bring people together and in fact many of our communities i think the north american one is a great example of that um just exploded during the pandemic. And we did everything with that community over the, you know, we're going into the third edition of FinTech Talents North America in May. Everything has always been virtual with that community. Um, and one of the 
benefits of virtual for us, you know, North America obviously is geographically enormous and diverse and what have you, but also the financial services sector is fantastically diverse and enormous. So everything from a, you know, one branch credit union up to, you know, ginormous financial institutions. But because of the virtual, um, the fact that we operated virtually from the start in North America, we built up this massive community of credit unions, community banks, regional banks, who you would rarely find on the floor of the big conferences that you and I are familiar with, because it wasn't just that they couldn't travel during the pandemic. They traditionally didn't travel to events um, unless it was around their kind of own specific sector because they wouldn't have had the budget. So, you know, it really democratized access to some of the communities and content, you know, that you and I have had access to for years, but, you know, not all institutions or even small startups would have been able to access either that content or community at the same scale. So I think there are some really positive effects to the, to the virtual piece. I noticed that too with um with with a few of the virtual events in terms of the speakers that you have. Um is diverse in terms of the people you have, but also diverse in terms of the organizations they come from. It, you know, there are a lot of names that you know we hadn't seen before. And kudos to you to you all for putting the effort in. Um and there were some that are not from financial services institutions either. I remember, um, was it Katie from, from Levi's that talk about, you know, using AI and stuff. So, you know, I, I see that expanding to different industries and it, and it makes perfect sense because, you know, if we look to the trends that's been happening, you know, within, within FinTech and financial services the last two years or so, especially with expansion of buy now, pay later, embedded finance and all of that, it touches different verticals beyond the traditional community banks and big banks and what have you. So that that's that's super cool. That that's one trend um I, I wanted to bring up and say, you know, thank you for doing that. I think you're doing us a big service and letting us hear from people from different places and from different corners of, of the industries, various industries, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we are always keen to bring in not the usual suspects. And I think, you know, just picking up on embedded finance, which is a a huge area of focus for the team, both with the clients we work with, um, some of the content that we are producing with them and and our event series. So we launched uh, FTT Embedded Finance North America last year. We had uh, with our partners, Marketa. And we um, launched it as part of the FinTech Towns Festival in 2021. And the next embedded finance, FTT Embedded Finance UK and Europe will be running um, in April this year on the 28th of April. So, and then the North American event will be repeated. But, um, you know, when you look at the kind of community around embedded finance, you know, the lines are blurred, right? So, you know, almost anyone can become a distributor of financial products and services and increasingly are including them as part of their offering to their customers, you know, and we all know the story of Uber or, you know, some of those other ones. But to me, like some of the really interesting, like look at Walmart, right, who are super active in this space and, I think the potential to reach, you know, those communities, those tribes, whatever you call them, um, that are built up around whatever activity and provide them with 
you know, the, the best possible products and services is um, the most exciting opportunity. I agree. And there's no better time to be, you know, in fintech and financial services than, than now. Um, I would say we've seen a lot of funding activities that's been happening with hitting, they've been hitting records um, quarter after quarter. And I think last year was probably one of the, one of the busiest and most active years um, in terms of venture funding. And we've also seen, you know, a lot of new models, like, like what you were saying, you know, um, embedded finance, um, the big retailers like Walmart and what have you um, being in, in part of the ecosystem. So what do you think the future will hold? I see that you have been adjusting and adding different, you know, uh, sessions, if you will, on identity. You've, you've added embedded finance is what you say. Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to be next? And what role do we see startups play versus incumbent and big tax and new players, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on as, you know, and as we've just been discussing that kind of ecosystem of players is growing, right? Growing, growing, growing. So for us, I mentioned the Embedded Finance Series. Last year, we launched um, our Future Identity Series, which looks at the challenge, you know, which which has been around since the start of the internet, around providing safe, affordable, um, efficient ways of identifying yourself in in what is an increasingly digital world. So, and that's not just about financial services, financial services is an important part of that. And obviously, you know, plays an important role as the kind of gatekeepers of a lot of um, citizens' data and therefore their identities, but it's about travel, it's about health, education, as we know, the challenges of of remote schooling, you know, how do we ensure that children are protected and, and so on. So I think, the digital identity series is is fascinating to me because there are so many different models around the world, um, and some places are doing it efficiently. You know, everyone mentions Estonia, but most places aren't, right? And particularly like places, I would say, you know, like the UK and Europe and the US, where there's a big resistance and lots of, particularly the UK and the US, to those kind of you know national identity cards. So type programs or nationally run identity programs. So there's huge challenges, you know, and, and if you couple the challenges that existed already with, you know, simply identifying who you are and your right to access a good or service with doing that digitally um, across all the other sectors of the economy, there's huge challenges there. And yes, technology plays a huge role. Startups play a massive um, role in that in their kind of, you know, bold problem solving, we're going to do things better kind of attitude. So I think that's super important in that sector. Um, DeFi is another addition for us this year. I mean, obviously, we've all been talking about the potential of distributed ledger technology and blockchain, but obviously, you know, the use of cryptocurrencies has just accelerated. Consumers want to use them. They want to pay using crypto. So there's lots of challenges for businesses of all types to solve there, you know, when they're consumers, their customers want to use crypto. Then there's the whole infrastructure piece, which has, you know, been quietly ticking along over the years, you know, how will distributed ledger technologies potentially 
um, re-architect the infrastructure of financial services. And to me, that remains a fascinating question. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, um, but it's something that certainly we all need to think about, learn about, and an eye on some of the really fascinating startups that are cropping up all over that space. That is never a dull moment. I think that's how I characterize it. Um, since Some we, of the most passionate people I know are in crypto and blockchain, as you know. <laughs> yes. Um, I it, it is an area I do not dare touch much. I tread lightly because there are a lot of people doing a lot of things with very, very strong opinion about how things need to be done one way or another. And there's still tons of fun things to do outside of that. So I'll stick to the fun areas. What are I think I'll, I'll also throw just one more point on that. You know, I think some of the most interesting questions are actually, um, you know, sometimes interesting in regulation don't always go in the same sentence. But I think, you know, what will happen in the regulatory space, there are actually some of the most interesting um, developments on the horizon, you know, to ensure that consumers are protected from something that, you know, we're not all familiar with or um, don't necessarily understand the consumer protections or lack thereof that are currently in place around some of those transactions. So, yeah, lots of interesting things to talk about there. I do agree. It, it, it's really interesting if you think about regulation being interesting and, and fun, quote unquote, area to talk about. We had Virginia here with us recently and she made a comment. She thinks that, that this is going to be a very busy year for, for um, regulatory bodies for many, many different reasons, because there are so many things that have popped up that we need to make sure consumers are being protected, right? Be it a new exactly. method, be it, you know, um, what is the future of, of digital currency, if you will. And even outside of developed economies, right? you look at South America, you look at Asia, specifically China, and India, and Singapore, and all of the different approaches to the future of money. I think this is going to be quite a topic, not just for 2022, but for quite a few years ahead. So what are some of the highlights and themes that you can share with us that we get to look forward to as you continue to expand on fintech talents and then on the bigger picture of VC innovations? Yeah, I mean, you know, the great thing is it's an agency. We're growing rapidly. I mean, great news for us. Um, and hopefully for the communities that we bring together, we are always, you know, I'm always amazed by the kind of breadth um, of clients that we work with who are all doing super interesting things um, in the financial services space. Um, you know, for us as a business, I think we've got like 16 different um, topics that we're covering in events this year. So as I meant, you know, I mentioned the embedded finance series, we've got our first event of the year actually is on the 30th of March, um, Lending 3.0, which we launched last year with um, the, te the Marquetta team in the UK. Um, and that community has grown rapidly. And, you know, again, thinking back to COVID and the challenges um, that it brought for the sector. And, you know, we saw that in the in the US, for example, with PPI lending, 
you know, that need to to embrace new ways of doing things. And and we've all seen new forms of lending coming up uh, by now. Pay later, obviously, is is one of the most talked about ones. But there are lots of other things going on across the lending space um, that, you know, we'll be taking a closer look at at lending 3.0. It's a really fascinating space. I do look forward look forward to it. I know that my plans have changed a little bit for March, so we'll see what the future holds. Ah, ooh, a little teaser there from you, Theo. Yeah. I hope we will be seeing you in London. Well, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I think as with businesses, I have to continue to adjust, um, you know, where things are and how we deliver uh, content and, yeah. and projects. I should also mention um, for Lending 3.0, that is running live. Um, you know, it was, you know, as much as we have grown our virtual portfolio, we ran the FinTech Talents Festival live um, just this past November. And it really was uh, just such a treat to have everyone together face to face. I know you joined us online because it was hybrid, but it really was just you know, everyone was so excited to see each other. It really was so, it was like a family reunion. It was so nice. It is. And you guys created quite a bit of fear of missing out. I know that I got a lot of that comment online that, oh, you know, we wish we could have been there. And the sentiment was mutual. I wish I could have been there. But at least I was grateful for having the tech to be able to get a glimpse of different stages. I did have to multitask quite a few because it was hard to hop from one to one. Um, but it was it was nice. And, and that essentially goes back to how we first started our conversation, right? It's about the community. And I remember back when, when you all first had this concept for FinTech Talents, it was about communities. It was about bringing different people together from different communities and sharing ideas and growing the space that we love, i.e. FinTech. So kudos to what you all have done and kudos to the growing team and the growing list of admirers that, that we are adoring <laughs> you all from afar. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa, and for the rest oh, of thank you. you. Thank you for Thanks, it was it was so nice to catch up and hopefully next time we'll actually get to share a cocktail together face to face that would be here's it. hoping <laughs> there Thanks is so always much. hope and for the rest <laughs> of you thank you so much for joining us for another episode of one vision we will talk to you all next week <laughs>